0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to actually what's going to be the last lecture of the 2013 calendar year. And this is a lecture I gave at RSNA 2013. Something a bit different, but I think something that's very important to radiologists. Uh, and this is a, 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 hopefully we're going, to, we're going to do some other work on this, but this is something that Whitney Fishman and I, who is senior partner at Tech and Consumer Insights at MEC in New York, put together. and. Social media is something that we all speak about. Maybe we're not exactly sure what we're talking about. If you look at Wikipedia, it makes the point that it's the interaction among people in which they create, share, and exchange information and ideas in virtual communities and networks. And when you read this carefully, one of the most important things it comments, it introduces substantial and pervasive changes to communication between organizations, communities, and individuals. And I think that's going to be the focus of this talk, really, communication, but also how things are changing. There's an article that's excellent that everyone quotes that's worth reading, this article by Kaplan, and he describes, in part, the Internet as a group of uh, applications that build on the ideological and technological foundations of Web 2.0 and allow the creation exchange of user-generated content. And again, two points there, creation and exchange. Very, very important. When you look at other terms, other descriptions, social media is a broad term that describes the use of mobile and web-based devices to turn what would typically one-way online conversations into open, interactive dialogue. Again, look at the terms. Things that were one way are now open interactive dialogue. And that's the big thing with social media. And you could divide social media into many things, many ways from blogs to microblogs to community applications. Many things you're familiar with, Wikipedia, you're familiar with Facebook probably, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Tumblr. There are so many different things and they continue to expand. And that's without talking about the web and websites uh, in and of themselves. Now, it's interesting. I made a comment at this meeting that if I was giving the talk three years ago, the talk would have been social media is probably not appropriate for medicine. It's unprofessional. It's great for kids, but it ain't really for radiologists. It's uncontrolled, unprofessional, inappropriate, and, God, we must be violating a thousand different HIPAA violations. So that was really a driving force to perhaps keep medical folks like ourselves, especially radiology, away from social media. And so when you look at why we've been slow to embrace social media, but surely in terms of practice, again, it's this professionalism, HIPAA violations, concern about control, and then the uncertainty of who's going to pay for it and who's actually going to do the work. But this is 2013, and we're about to be 2014. And if you look online, the question about social media being appropriate or not, that discussion is long over. Here's the RSNA website, and there at the bottom right is social media. And here's the American Heart annual meeting screen, whether it's Twitter or YouTube or Facebook or Johns Hopkins. Look at our own social media community. We got everything to Instagram everything is there. Or CT is us. We have Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. We got it all as well. Now if you ask me what changed our perception of the Internet in terms of being not for kids or not just an entertainment device and why I think social media will be more accepted in the community, I think it's Google. I think the thing that changed our opinion is Google. Because we all use Google on a daily basis and we know how strong Google is. We're not sure how Google works, but how does it always get the right answer? But you can see the power of the internet and the power of the web and Google. So therefore, instead of asking why it's inappropriate, in this meeting, I'd ask you the question is, how do you use social media for your message, your brand, or your mind share? What's the goal of your social media program in your practice or your group or your hospital? How well does it work? And are you doing it correctly? And what do you plan on doing over the next 12 months or so? There's some very good articles. When I put this talk together, I did it like I would do almost any talk. And so I went back and did a PubMed search, trying to find articles that were on the subject. And I thought probably a lot of what I'm going to see is really web-based articles and not a whole lot of science. But the fact is, there is a lot of science. Here's an article by Tamini, well worth reading. Healthcare lags behind other industries in engaging customers via social networking. In part, this reflects concerns for HIPAA violations, organizational fears regarding employee time mismanagement, and the real challenge that healthcare providers face with multiple and competing demands on time. Tamini goes on to say, however, as social media has grown exponentially, And now people spend one in five minutes online looking at social media. At the same time this is growing, in medicine things are changing. Direct face-to-face patient-provider moments are decreasing substantially. And they're going to continue to decrease as resources become scarcer across the healthcare spectrum. And so despite fears and concerns, we need to be looking at our patients, figuring out where they are, and our greatest capacity for healthcare change management at present may well center on our strategic capacity to meet our patients where they spend the majority of their time online. So really, it may be the way of really changing medicine. Medicine is changing, but how we can keep that patient-physician relationship up strong and really help our patients. The numbers hard to argue. 163 million plus people in the U.S. will use social platforms. That's more than one in two U.S. citizens, a bit more female than males. And although we talk about the younger patients, the younger people, I shouldn't call them patients, younger people being the core of social media, there's many more people who are above 30 now than there ever have been, and that's continuing to grow. And in terms of health, It's not surprising that people go online to look for health information because there are great sites, WebMD, Mayo Clinic, sites like that are really conditioning people to turn to the Internet for information. Although medical professionals are amongst the most trusted, we're still the most trusted people to patients or to the population in general. But on the other hand, people always like to check things. and The Internet makes you check things very easily. That gut check is a way of really doing things well. And since people are using the web for all information, whether it's what restaurant to go to or what show to see or a book to buy, it's no surprise that they're going to use social media as a tool for medical information. Now, as for the two best sites or best known sites in social media, that's kind of simple. It's Facebook and Twitter. By show of hands, how many of you are using them? Okay, Uh, RSNA was about 25%. This audience looks closer to 50%. So what are the two things? Facebook, everyone knows about Facebook. Not everyone uses it. But it's really a social networking site connecting people with friends, at work, at study, around the world. People share information, at times perhaps too much information or the wrong information. But if you look at Facebook's goal, you look at their homepage, and if you look at their mission, it's to give people the power to share and make the world more open and connected. And hard to argue with that. You look at their numbers, it's incredible. That's the graft. But what you have to really appreciate from the graft, yes, it's a big upward slope, but look at the numbers. There's over 1.3 billion users at the end of 2013. Just incredible growth. You look at Facebook, RSNA is there. That's from RSNA this year. And CTSS is there. And If you look at uh, where people look at our Facebook page, and I put this up because I have the data, but only half of our people are from the U.S. Look at India, other countries beyond that. What's the number one city using the CTSS Facebook page? It's Cairo, and number six is Riyadh. We must have a lot of friends in the Middle East. I understand why Baltimore is too, but Cairo? Interesting. And look at the languages, from English to Spanish to everything else. Second, Twitter. Twitter, 140 characters or less, short messages. We talk about blogs and bloggers, but it's a way of sharing information. and. Here are the people I follow are some of them, but look at the people you're looking at. Tim Cook, you're looking at Melissa Gates, Mark Cuban, Gates Foundation, on and on. You figure out who you want to follow, whether you're tweeting or just following, but look at the numbers. There's 550 million users, there's 9,100 tweets every second. Now the biggest problem with Twitter is that you have so much information. I don't know about you, but I doubt I can look at 9,000 tweets every, uh, every second. So massive information. The key is how to get the right information. Um, meetings. There's an article in, uh, or it's coming out in JSCR talking about how Twitter is used at meetings as a way of engaging attendees, improving scientific sessions, and promoting improved collaboration. And the growth, even at RSNA, one of the world's most conservative meetings between 2011 and 2012, went up 30%. And I'm sure it's probably going to go up equally this year as well. And again, is it the right place to be? Well, Stanford Medicine thinks so, with 48,000 followers. And Hopkins Medicine sure thinks so, with 156,000 followers. And so does RSNA, and so does Us. But you can think of the power. Those numbers for those sites are really rounding error. When you look at the key people on Twitter, people like Katy Perry, who's number one, or Taylor Swift, they have 40 million-plus users. Katy Perry, probably by the time this ad or this lecture comes about, will be over 50 million. That means when Katy Perry says something like, I'm going to get lunch, 50 million people know about that. Well... Is that important? I don't know, but just think of the power of how many people you're able to reach. Just impressive. Now, if you look at underlying drivers, uh, things that are pushing integration of social media into the consumer healthcare experience, well, changes in healthcare. This patient centric model becomes very important. Patients are taking control of their own health, they're building trusted networks. They trust the physician, they trust the hospital, but you better be available to them as well. If you want to be part of their trusted networks. Patients want to and expect their physicians to be available on social media. They want the privacy, but they and they want the professionalism, but they want the availability. They want more meaningful conversations with their physician. They want to be able to interact and share and receive information. People want to strengthen their ownership and their health. And I heard a very good point that we used to think about healthcare sort of the Marcus Welby model. Remember Marcus Welby from TV? Patient felt bad. They went to Marcus Welby, he examined them. Made a great diagnosis, took care of them, the patient left. It was a one-way. It was patient to doctor speaking and doctor telling the patient what to do. It wasn't a two-way process. Price Waterhouse Cooper recently had a report on healthcare and social media, and some of the numbers are very important. Forty-one percent of respondents said they would share information with healthcare professionals via social media. 61% they would trust information from healthcare professionals received via social media. And more than 70% say they would like help from physicians via social media, including referrals. So the healthcare system is changing. It's a loop, it's not one directional. Physicians, the health system, the hospitals, the patient again, this access of information, coordination. And think about it, patient access to medical records and radiology reports changes patient expectations of the healthcare system and of their physicians and of their radiologists. Again, this relationship is no longer one-directional. And again, going back to the point, it's not surprising. People are using social media for everything else, well, healthcare is no different. And you can see where the web is really making a major impact. There are a number of different things that it's worthwhile. The, The audience, you guys I'm speaking to should go out and look at. It's really impressive. Patients Like Me is a site where a patient has a disease, pancreatic cancer, diabetes, lung cancer, emphysema, whatever it is. You go on there and you will be connected with people who have that same disease. They will share their experience. There's lots of important information. There's lots of Information. The platform is designed to help patients answer the question. Given my status, what's the best outcome I can hope for to achieve? And how do I get there? It's very, very important. And there's the site. Okay? And if I put pancreatic cancer in there, here's some of the information. And then people talk about chemotherapy or types of therapy, new protocols. I mean, patients are so empowered by these sites. There's also sites like CaringBridge.com where if someone's sick, They put their information on here, they're able to share with their friends, they can tell how they're doing, what's happening, people can give advice. So again, what's something that was often considered very personal is now becoming much more public. And I think that's just the change in times. And if you look at hospitals, some places now are really understanding the power of social media. Some hospitals are asking patients for input via questionnaires and surveys on new services and even new facility names. At the University of Michigan Healthcare System, they have e-advisors that answer surveys. They have a teen counselor responding to questions via its Facebook page. At the Brigham and Women's in Boston, patients help edit brochures that are meant for patients to make sure they're not too medical-oriented. An article by Gutterman, talks about how we need to put ourselves in the patient's place looking at radiology and the work of radiologists from the patient's point of view and in many ways social media really gives us that chance we know that people don't know what radiologists are i made this joke which ended up in diagnostic imaging saying that when i told my grandmother i was going to radiology there's a true story she said oh my god all these years of school to fix radios and she started crying then one of her old cronies told that radiology was pretty good, so things were okay. But people don't know what radiologists are. They don't know the difference between us and a technologist. They don't know what we do. We don't have any TV shows. When, you, when the ER docs order a CT, they do it themselves. Radiology doesn't exist on TV. The web gives us the opportunity to really say what we are. Who are we? What do we do? What exams we provide and what they can do and what their limitations are? We can really define our role in healthcare care and in the individual patient's care. We can provide information to our patients at multiple touch points, both before and after imaging studies, perhaps going over studies. Again, that's something that's being discussed. There's a site that's sponsored by RSNA and ACR. That's for patients. Radiologyinfo.org, where we explain exams, we talk about different studies. Everything is designed. There's 500,000 plus users each month. And if you look at the mission statement, it says it all. It was established to inform and educate the public about radiologic procedures and the role of radiologists in healthcare, and to improve communication between physicians and their patients. And that's us. And this site uses Facebook and uses Twitter. Now, the RSA website is really good, but that's not meant for patients. That's meant take the pledge. That's for radiologists to radiologists, radiologists to technologists. Radiologyinfo.org is our representative of how we deal with the patient. Now, the web is very powerful. The web is really social media, so websites can be very powerful. I'm just gonna show you again the numbers on CT us for example. We have 25,000 different weekly users. And look where they're from. Although our site is English and it's US-based and I have no advertising budget, and all you people online know where you're from. But only half of you are from the US. Look what the other day, now this will change at times, but India, UK, Canada, Australia, China, Saudi Arabia, Brazil, Italy, Spain. So we are covering the world, 153 countries, every single day. Recent articles are coming out, and we're trying to write some, so you will be able to read more, even in the radiological literature. This article by Nager in the web, Despite potential drawbacks, social media has become ubiquitous, such that individuals, practices, and in departments should develop strategies for developing and maintaining a social media present. Going back to Tamini, as healthcare providers, we need to partner with our patients, and this need has never been greater. Yet, all too often, we allow risk-adverse fears to limit our ability to truly leverage our good content effectively to the online community. The risk-adverse behavior truly limits our capacity to engage our patients where they are online. And the recommendation of this lecture and this speaker is we need to learn what we can do and really engage our patients. Putting patients first means stepping outside of a strictly industrial and technical paradigm, looking at each patient's care from the patient's perspective, and letting the patient know we care. And I think the web can really help us. Social media potentially provides great opportunity for radiologists and radiology in general. And I think as we look forward to the year 2014, you're going to hear a lot more about this. And you're going to see a lot more about this. And it may even come from us. And with that, thank you very much for your attention. And if you're listening to this talk, the day it comes out, December 30th, I'm going to wish you a happy new year. And if you listen to it after January 1st, I'm going to wish you a happy and healthy 2014. And with that, have a great day.